When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joan. Today is the 25th of June of 2022. And I have to say, thank you so much to everybody for bearing with me. And it's, as it's been just about two months since I recorded the last podcast episode. It's been kind of a whirlwind these last two months. Thankfully, nothing bad has happened. I've just been very fortunate and very blessed that I've had numerous lectures that I've provided in different places, including a couple in South Florida, a couple in West Florida than in Houston as well as in Hawaii. So it's really an honor to be asked to provide lectures for people who want to become better clinicians. But today I'm going to be discussing about blood pressure measurements, not only in the ICU, but throughout the rest of the hospital. And as a full disclosure, I want to let you all know that I was not born knowing about these nuances about oscillometric blood pressure cuffs and mean arterial pressure until I was a fellow in critical care medicine. The reality is it's not widely taught, and honestly, don't feel bad that you didn't know this at one point. All I ask is for you to share this with others so that we all speak the same language and do our best for our patients. Because at the end of the day, we measure blood pressures on all of our patients every single day, numerous times a day, and we target our interventions in critically ill patients as well as not so critically ill patients to blood pressure. In the ICU, whether it's providing fluids, vasopressors, or even blood pressure lowering agents, we obsess over the systolic, diastolic, and MAP. And then we always feel warm and fuzzy if the numbers look good, but we need to know that the tool we're using is the correct tool. So normally when we take a blood pressure, as I was taught in medical school, and many folks were taught in nursing school, etc., was to listen to the Karotkov sounds, which is where you hear the thud for systole, and then for the diastolic blood pressure is when the sound goes away. That's that manual cuff that many times we ask the nurses to obtain a manual blood pressure when we don't quite trust what we're obtaining with the oscillometric cuff. And the oscillometric cuff, for those who aren't familiar, are the ones that are hooked up to the machine directly and they make that sound. The elderly patient screams and then it pops up a number on the monitor. Since this is a podcast and not a YouTube video, although I've created a YouTube video about this in the past that you could check out, I can't really show you how oscillometric devices work with regards to the oscillation in the blood vessel wall during cuff deflation. But during this, if you think about it, kind of like a waveform of sorts that, uh, think about it like a, like a V-fib, or better yet, think about it like a torsades. And in the maximum point of amplitude of the torsades, that's where this, this oscillometric blood pressure device obtains the map. And then the device uses an algorithm that's proprietary to the actual company, whether it's Philips or Maximo or, or Massimo, whatever it's called, whatever, they uses an algorithm that's proprietary to that device to define what the systolic and diastolic blood pressure is. These algorithms are closely kept secrets to the manufacturers. Why is this important? Well, blood pressure is gold in the ICU world. The nurses who I'm fortunate to work with titrate pressures based on the map as the guideline suggests, but I've often seen nurses whipping out their phone or some sort of app and calculate the map by hand as they feel the numbers generated on the screen for map are inaccurate. So basically they go ahead and they 
but the equation that you would do if you had a normal manual blood pressure cuff, which is two times diastolic blood pressure times, excuse me, two times diastolic blood pressure plus systolic blood pressure all divided by three. And when they do that, they get a different map than what was on the actual device itself. And I'm telling you right now, this is a waste of time. The number on the screen is not inaccurate. I've seen this occur in the community hospital where I did my residency, then in the Ivory Tower Fancy Pants Hospital when I was doing my fellowship, and now in the hospital I'm currently working on, which is why I'm writing this post. Even people who I think should know this don't know this, so that's why I'm spreading the word on this. But let's look at the data, because I always tell you all to not trust me, and this is where I recommend you click down on the show notes and go to my website where you can download many of these articles for free, and I'm going to be using the name of the authors. Per Yaros, they stated that, quote, the mean blood pressure is determined at the peak of the amplitude of the oscillations, end quote. This is the primary measurement. The systolic blood pressure was assigned to be, quote, approximately 55% prior to the maximum, and the diastolic blood pressure is approximately 85% after the maximum oscillations, end quote. And what they go ahead and do is stress that these exact points as are, as I mentioned before, proprietary to each manufacturer. Another author named Liu states that, quote, excuse me, MAP is determined as a cuff pressure at which the max maximum amplitude oscillations occur. Systolic and diastolic pressures are then determined as the cuff pressures at which the amplitude of the cuff oscillations is some ratio of its maximum value. Quote, end quote. Those who think that the cuff directly measures systolic blood pressure or diastolic blood pressure are just flat out wrong. In case you didn't believe me with those first two references, Sumayan and other authors state that, quote, mean blood pressure is a measurement made independently of systolic and diastolic blood pressure, end quote. In addition, they state that, quote, Mean arterial pressure measurements may offer the most reliable cuff estimate of aortic pressure, end quote. And then a third reference by Babb states that, quote, oscillometric method of measuring blood pressure with an automated cuff yields valid estimates of mean pressure, but questionable estimates of systolic and diastolic pressure, end quote. I'm going to go ahead and repeat that questionable estimates of systolic and diastolic blood pressure. So if you're looking at these numbers as absolutes, you're going down the wrong path. Another reference by Kears and, and other authors noted in a cohort study that compared calculated MAP versus measured MAP. This would be, you know, those, those, those who take the MAP off of the actual monitor itself and calculate it by hand versus a measured MAP. And in this study, they found a significant difference between the calculated MAP and the observed map generated by the machine. They found that the generated map could be either higher or lower than the observed map, and that these differences were amplified even further when analyzed on individual patients rather than cohorts. Therefore, would you feel comfortable treating your patients like this? I sure don't. Their conclusions state that, quote, calculated and measured map cannot be used interchangeably, end quote. Other authors went ahead to discuss a trial where they had patients in the operating room taken via the oscillometric device versus an versus an arterial line. And what they found is that there was no statistically significant difference in the map. However, there was a difference in the systolic blood pressure by 19 millimeters of mercury. Could you imagine treating these patients based on an algorithm generated by systolic blood pressure? You'd be either treating them or not treating them inappropriately. All right, so let's wrap up the podcast. It seems as if I might be 
directing this towards nurses because after all nurses are the main ones at the bedside but that's not the point here the point is that this needs to get also out to medical students as well as physicians including some critical care physicians because at the end of the day we all need to get better we also need to stop presenting the, these cases to each other and these patients to each other by referencing the systolic blood pressure you have no idea how bothered I get when a physician calls me and I'm always grateful for phone calls right saying hey Eddie by the way I need you to take a look at this patient their systolic is 90 and I'm like uh okay what does that mean like are they having a systolic of 90 with a map of 75 because they have a narrow pulse pressure or do they have a systolic of 90 but a map of 50 because they have a wider pulse pressure I just I just don't know. And, you know, who knows what the algorithm is for, for these companies, even though I was mentioned, excuse me, I was educated by somebody in my comments on my Instagram post that they're now using a different algorithm for this. But I don't know who has new monitors. I don't know who has old monitors. I do know what works. And, you know, I haven't seen any articles that have been published talking about how accurate they are in the new monitor. So that's that still is something up in the air. We also, as physicians, need to stop telling nurses to hit certain systolic blood pressure goal for the pressors instead of MAPS. But that's a completely different story. Wrapping, wrapping up this podcast again, I just wanted to finally, not finally, but one more time, just thank everybody for bearing with me over these last two months that have been quite the whirlwind. I can't say that I'm ever going to be that person who records a podcast and has content out every week or every three days or anything like that because... I basically create content as time allows. You know, that's just that's just the the name of the game when I am fortunate to have a very good full-time job plus a very good, I guess you could say, a, a good arrangement uh, or a good assortment of sorts of side hustles. And then I am blessed to have a beautiful family that is my number one priority at the end of the day. So I appreciate those of you who want to stick along with me, even though the podcast might... It's definitely still going to continue because I enjoy doing this, but it might not be as frequently or as predictable as many of you all would hope to see if you do enjoy this at the end of the day. All right, guys, take it easy. Have a blessed day. Bye.